0: Sherlock Holmes. We present Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in a new dramatization of the short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The Musgrave Ritual, dramatized by Michael Bakewell, with Martin Jarvis as Reginald Musgrave. An anomaly which often struck me in the character of my friend, Sherlock Holmes, was that although in his method of thought he was the neatest and most methodical of mankind, he was nonetheless in his personal habits one of the most untidy men that ever drove a fellow lodger to distraction. When I find a man who keeps his cigars in the coal scuttle, his tobacco in the toe-end of a Persian slipper, and his unanswered correspondence transfixed by a knife in the very centre of his wooden mantelpiece, then I know that with me there is a limit. I have always held, too, that pistol practice should distinctly be an open-air pastime. And when Holmes, in one of his queer humours, would sit in an armchair with his hair-trigger and a hundred boxer cartridges... And proceed to adorn the opposite wall with a patriotic VR done in bullet pox, I felt strongly that neither the atmosphere nor the appearance of our room was improved by it.
1: Something, something, or what? You seem to lack your customary equanimity.
0: My dear Holmes. If you have nothing with which to occupy yourself for the next two hours, do you not think we might spend the time in making our room a little more habitable? Hmm? There's hardly a chair I can sit in. Your papers have not been cleared for months. You allow me to burn nothing. Nothing can be thrown away. Could we not at least introduce a little order?
1: I cannot deny the justice of your request, Munson.
0: So, let us make a start with the old tin box in my bedroom <laughs>
1: now you have no idea what is contained in here Watson. this is my department of antiquities
0: ah the records of your early work <laughs>
1: yes my boy and these were all done before you came on the scene ah uh, here's the record of the Tarleton murders and the singular affair of the aluminium crutch. Hmm. Yes. Oh. And here. ah, ah no. yes. This is something really a little recherche. Ah.
0: <laughs> what do you make of that, Watson? Oh, well. A crumpled piece of paper. A ball of string, with a peg of wood attached to it, and three uh, rusty old discs of metal. (laughs) Curious collection.
1: Very curious. And the story that hangs round it will strike you as more curious still. Those relics are all that I have left to remind me of the episode of the Musgrave Ritual. I, I should be glad if you could give me an account of it, Holmes. Well, I'll uh, the there it is. Your tidiness won't bear much strain after all, Watson. Well, be that as it may. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Musgrave had been in the same college as myself, and I had some slight acquaintance with him. When I first came to London, most of my cases were from fellow students, for during my last years at university, there was a good deal of talk about myself and my methods. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Reginald Musgrove was not generally popular among the undergraduates, though it always seemed to me that what was set down as pride was really an attempt to cover extreme natural diffidence. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. In appearance, he was a man of exceedingly aristocratic type, thin, high-nosed, and large-eyed, with languid yet courtly manners. He was indeed a scion of one of the very oldest families in the kingdom, which at some time in the 16th century had established itself in western Sutton, and whose manor house of Hurlston is perhaps the oldest inhabited building in the county. Something of his birthplace seemed to cling to the man, and I never looked at his pale, keen face or the poise of his head without associating him with grey archways and mullioned windows and all the venerable wreckage of a feudal keep.
0: Whose was it,
1: his who is gone? Who shall have it, he who will come? What was the month, the sixth and the first? Where was the sun? Over the oak. Where was the shadow? Under the elm. How was it stepped? North by ten and by ten, east by five and by five, south by two and by two, west by one and by one, and so under. What shall we give for it all that is ours? Why should we give it for the sake of the trust? <coughs> and, uh, that's it Holmes. just gibberish most interesting and you had to learn it by heart for your coming of age like our catechism Holmes. it was a proper ceremony every musgrave has gone through it for centuries and it was the manuscript of the ritual which you found in the hands of your butler yes it came as quite a shock i can tell you brunton had been in service with us for years he was at hurlston in my father's time it's a rambling old place and takes a good deal of looking after I have to keep up a considerable staff of servants, and, well, after my poor father's death, I'd come to rely on Brunton to uh, take charge of things. Mm -hmm. He was a remarkable fellow. He could speak several languages and play every musical instrument. uh, He was the one thing about Hurlston that visitors remembered. And did he have no faults, this paragon? Uh, One fault, certainly. He was a bit of a Don Juan. Ah, uh, since his wife died, we've had no end of trouble with him. Uh, we had high hopes that he might settle down with uh, Rachel Howells, mm-hmm. our second housemaid. But he threw her over and took up with the daughter of our head gamekeeper. Uh, Rachel was a good girl, but she was excitable. A Welsh temperament, I suppose. And after Branton threw her over, she seemed to take on a touch of uh, oh, brain fever and wandered about the house like a black-eyed shadow of her former self. Mm-hmm. Or at least... She did, until yesterday. I think you would best tell me precisely what happened. Well, it was one night last week, a Thursday night, to be more exact. I couldn't sleep, having foolishly taken a cup of cafe noir for dinner. After a time, I decided I would fetch a novel which I'd left in the billiard room. As yeah, I said, it's a rambling old place. And to reach the billiard room, I had to descend a flight of stairs and to cross ahead the head of a passage which led to the library and the room that in my surprise and I looked down the corridor and saw a glimmer of light from the open door of the library. And I took down one of the old family battle axes in the wall and crept on tiptoe down the passage and keep in at the open door. Brunton was fully dressed. I saw him unlock a drawer of the bureau where the old family documents are kept and take out a slip of paper which he began to study with minute attention. My indignation so far overcame me that I took a step forward into the room.
0: Brunton!
1: Mr. Reginald! Sir, this is how you repay the trust we have proposed to you. What do you got there? Give me that paper, man. The Musgrave Ritual. What possible importance can that have for you? Uh, Mr. Reginald, my insatiable curiosity may have led no me No explanation can excuse your behaviour, Brunton. You will leave my service tomorrow. Mr. Reginald, sir, I can't bear disgrace, sir. You leave me no alternative. I've always been proud about my station in life, sir, and disgrace would kill me. Now look here, Brunton, my blood will be on your head, sir. It will indeed, if you drive me to despair. If you cannot keep me after what has passed, then, for God's sake, let me give you notice and leave in a month as if of my own free will. You don't deserve such consideration, Brunton. Your conduct has been most infamous. However, as you have been a long time in the family, I have no wish to bring public disgrace upon you. Take yourself away in a week and give what reason you like for going. A week, sir? A fortnight? Say, a, at least a fortnight? A week. And you may consider yourself to have been leniently done to For the next two days, Holmes, Brunton was most assiduous in his attention to his duties. On the third morning, however, he didn't appear, as was his custom after breakfast, to receive my instructions for the day. Ah. As I left the breakfast room, I happened to see Rachel Howells, the maid. Good morning, Mr. Musgrave, sir. Rachel, you should be in bed. You're pale and tired, and in no state to work. Come back to your duties when you're stronger.
0: I'm strong enough, Mr. Musgrave.
1: Well, we shall see what the doctor says. You must stop work now. And when you go downstairs, just say that I want to see Brunton. Brunton's gone. Gone? gone where he's gone well, no one has seen him Nothing true oh
0: yes he's gone he's gone oh,
1: my god well, the girl was taken to her room still screaming and sobbing while i made inquiries about something there was no doubt about it that he had disappeared, and yet it was difficult to see how he could have left the house if all the windows and doors were found to be fast. did you turn to the key? of course but they could find nothing Rain had fallen during the night, but there were no attacks on the path of the lawn. I see. But <clears throat> the strangest is still to come home. On the third night after Brunton's disappearance, the, the nurse, who had put to watch over with the House, found her patient's bed empty. Footmarks led from under her window across the lawn to the mare. The water there is eight feet deep, and you can imagine our feelings when we saw that the tale of the poor tormented girl came to an end there. As you know, we found nothing. No trace of the body. The only thing we brought to surface was a linen bag which contained a mass of rusted and dirty metal and a few dull-coloured pieces of pebble and glass. Hmm. Well, what do you make of it all, Hans? I'd heard that you've turned your methods of deduction to professional use. Yes, I've spoken from the by my word. <laughs> so you used to astound us all at university. I thought you might be able to throw some light on the matter. Can't you believe that there would be? Hmm. Well, a most... extraordinary sequence of events. Indeed. Problem. Find the common thread on which they all the hang. out. let us get back to the starting. The magazine. were well, the type. Of you have a copy of it. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I have one. here. Yeah. But, uh, it can be of no importance. Sorry, it's a kind of family game. And what is the date of the original document? Well, there is no date, but the writing and spelling are those of the mid-17th century. You will excuse me, Master. I say that your butler Jesus, has been a very clever man and has had a clearer insight than ten generations of musgraves. Oh. Well, paper seems to me no practical importance. But it seems to me to be immensely practical, and I fancy that Brunton took the same view. But what could he have to do with this old family custom of ours? And what does this uh, rigmarole mean? I don't think that we should have much difficulty in determining that. With your permission, we will take the first train down to Sussex and go a little more deeply into the matter at Hurlston Manor. Oh, and by the way, I shall need a line of string and some wooden pegs. There's the mayor. Uh, behind the trees, over there, you see really quite close to the house. Aye. How old is Helston? Well, there's an inscription on the lintel of the door in the centre which says 1607. But some of the house is much older than that. A 15th century, probably. It may well be the oldest inhabited building in the county. That magnificent oak tree. Now, that was there when your ritual was drawn up. <laughs> it was there at the Norman Conquest, in all probability. It has a girth of 20 feet. Get your man to stop a minute, would you? Oh, Gilpin, we want to stop here. Now then, if that really is the oak referred to in the ritual, it should give us one of our fixed points. Have you any old elms? There used to be a very old one over yonder, but it was struck by lightning twelve years ago, and we cut down the stump. But you can see what it used to be? I can show you now, if you care to step down. It's over this way. I suppose it's impossible to find out how high the elm tree was. I can give it to you at once. It was sixty-four feet. Huh? How do you come to know that? (laughs) Whenever my old tutor used to give me an exercise in trigonometry, it always took the shape of measuring heights. When I was a lad, I worked out every tree and building on the estate. Tell me, did your butler ever ask you such a question? What? Well now that you call it to my mind. Brunton did ask me about the height of the tree some months ago, in connection with uh, some little argument with the groom. Excellent. Then we are on the right track. Now, this is the very spot. The old elm stood here. (laughs) Midway between the oak and the house. And in less than an hour, the sun should lie just above the topmost branches of the old oak tree. That should fulfill one of the conditions of the ritual. I really fail to see what you're driving at, Hans. Where was the shadow? Under the elm. That must mean the farther end of the shadow, otherwise the trunk would have been chosen as guide. So all we have to find out is where the shadow would fall when the sun is just clear of the oak. But that's impossible, Hans. Not at all. Such a simple calculation. All I need is a six-foot measure. Well, we've uh, a fishing rod in the house. Would one of those do? Excellent. I'll get the line and the wooden tape. Now then, the sun is just raising the top of the oak. If you would be so good as to hold the rod upright, myself, very well, I'll mark out the direction of the shallow and measure it. Of course. But really, Holmes, I still don't see nine feet. I mean, what possible connection can this have with the So, if a rod of six feet throws a shadow of nine feet, a tree of 64 feet should throw a shadow of 96 feet. Come on, Musgrave. I need you to help measure the ground. I 94, 95, 96. All right. Put our peg there as a marker. have uh, oh, but look. Do you see, Musgrave, that little depression in the ground? that's where Brunton put his marker ah
0: we are on his trail right
1: now for the stepping mercifully I never travel without a compass what does your ritual say uh, north by 10 and by 10. so 10 steps with each foot to the north One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 12 13 14 15 16 17 19 there mark it with our pick if you please now east by five and by five five steps with each foot to the east one two three four five six eight nine ten all right and now south by two and by two two and two which brings us to this old door and west by one and one but i i don't understand it there must be some mistake there's nothing here these paving stones haven't been touched for generations nothing no sign of a crack and no sign of brunton's work either i say you've forgotten the under Holmes. what's that the ritual continues and so under ah i assumed that meant you were to dig there's a cellar here then is there oh yes it's one of the oldest parts of the house uh, shall we go down? We always keep a lantern here. Yeah? Wait while I light it. Oh, we use the cellar for
0: storing wood. Oh. Oh, the wood's been
1: moved to clear off space in the middle. And this is what the ritual pointed to this flagstone has an old yeah. iron ring in it I right, dear yeah, that's brunton's muffler around it what has the scoundrel been up to we shall know soon enough i fancy oh stone will not budge i shall need your help muskoff oh yes
0: yeah.
1: it's a small chamber Shine your lantern over here, Musgrave. My God. It's Brunton. He must have been dead for several days. What's that he's holding on to? It's a box of some sort. It seems to be empty. I think we'd better send for the police. Once they've removed the body, we can try to get to the bottom of this strange business. I see no rhyme or reason in it, Holmes. There were no wounds or or bruises on the body. The problem does, I admit, seem more formidable than when we first started. Now then, let us put ourselves in Brunton's pledge. The ritual led him to the stone with the iron ring in it. He knew that something of great value was concealed down there, but the stone was too heavy for him to move it by himself. The two of us could hardly manage it. So what could he do next? He could scarcely get help from outside. There was only one person he could ask. Rachel Howells. Oh, but he'd abandoned her. <laughs> Man always finds it hard to believe that he's lost a woman's love, however badly he's treated her. Somehow or other, he made his peace with her, and they came down together at night to raise the stone. Now, let us see if we can find any evidence of their efforts. Oh, I can see nothing here. You block the wood. Ah, but look here. You see, this piece, has a marked indentation at one end. And look at these. They're flattened at the sides as if they've been compressed by some heavy weight. You mean they used them as wedges? Yeah, exactly. As they dragged the stone up, they thrust these chunks of wood into the gap until it was big enough for Brunton to crawl into. Now here, give me a hand with the stone. Let's try and get it back into place. over the hole. now Now, let's hold it up with this billet here. Just room for a man to get in. The girl must have waited above. Brunton then unlocked the box, handed up the contents, presumably, since we found no trace of them. And then, what happened? <laughs> Something like that, I fancy. The stone fell back into place and Brunton was trapped in a living tomb. And was it chance that the wood slipped? Hmm? Or did some smoldering fire of vengeance spring up in her passionate Celtic woman's soul when she saw the man who had wronged her, wronged her perhaps more than we suspected, in her power? Of course, her hysterical laughter. She was pale and shaken and more than a little mad. But what was in the box? That's the mystery. There were a few old coins encrusted into the bottom of it, A hoard of some sort? No, no, that would scarcely account for the family ritual. It must have been the contents of that linen bag which you dragged up from the mirror. But that was just old metal and uh, pebbles. It was worthless. I think we should look at it a little more carefully. It's in the library. We can have a drink at the same time. Mm -hmm. I need one after this beastly business. Oh, there you are, Hans. I hope you can make something of it. Ah. The metal's almost black. Uh, here's one of the old coins I found in the bottom of the box. Hey, we, we were right in fixing our date for the ritual. It's a coin of Charles I. Hmm? <laughs>
0: ah,
1: yes, of course. And I can see why you regarded this of no importance, but I'm not so sure the stones are dull certainly but let's polish one up a little there now you see it glows like a spark and as for the metal well it's so bent and twisted hard to tell but it seems to have been in the shape of a double ring But what on earth could it have been Holmes? and you must bear in mind that the royal party made headway in england even after the execution of the king and that when they at last fled they probably left many of their most precious possessions buried behind them, with the intention of returning for them in more peaceful times. My ancestor, Sir Ralph Musgrave, was a prominent cavalier and the right-hand man of Charles II in his wanderings in exile. Ah, indeed. Well, now, I think that should give us the last link we wanted. I must congratulate you on coming into possession, though in rather a tragic manner, a relic of great intrinsic value but of even greater importance as an historical curiosity what is it then it is nothing less than the ancient crown of the kings of england the crown that precisely consider what the ritual says whose was it his who is gone that was after the execution of charles and then who shall have it he who will come That was Charles II, whose restoration was already foreseen. There can, I think, be no doubt that this battered and shapeless diadem once encircled the brows of the royal
0: stewards. What an extraordinary tale. And how was it that King Charles II did not get his crown when he returned?
1: Ah, there you lay your finger up on the one point we shall probably never be able to clear up. Oh. It's likely that the Musgrave who held the secret died in the interval and by accident left the ritual to his descendants without ever explaining the meaning of it. I see. From that day onwards, it was handed down from generation to generation until at last it came within the reach of a man who tore its secret out of it and lost his life in the venture and uh
0: the uh, the woman what became of her
1: nothing more was heard of her watson well, the probability is that she got away out of england oh and the crowd oh they have that down at helston though they had some legal bother and a considerable sum to pay before they were allowed to retain it i kept these little pieces of metal as a souvenir of it And now, Watson, shall we see what we can do about clearing up some of these papers?
0: Barry Foster, as Sherlock Holmes, and David Buck, as Dr. Watson, in The Musgrave Ritual by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell. Reginald Musgrave is played by Martin Jarvis, Brunton by Graham Weston, and Rachel Howells by Hedley Dickhouse. The play was directed in our Birmingham studios by Roger Pine.